guys, what's going on? Your host, George McKay, back again in studio, pre-recorded. My first interview of 2020. I can't tell you how excited I am to bring this man to Straight Talk Wrestling. I, You know what? I'm not even going to waste any time listing all his accolades. We're going to get into it in this interview today. But let's welcome Hakeem Zane, a.k.a. Rohit Ranju, one half of the Desi Hit Squad, two Straight Talk Studios. What is up, my man? Ladies and gentlemen, it is the jaw-shacking Tuesday night impacting. His mother called him son because he shines like one mocha skin animal. Handsome hockey Zane, or AKA Ravishing Rohit Raju. How's it going? It's going great, man. You know what? I'm honored to talk to you. I have watched you for a few months now. Thank God for Impact Plus because I'm able to catch up on things all the time. But I've, I've also watched a couple of your indie matches. I was able to see you at Destiny Wrestling back on Thanksgiving week here in Canada back in October. And, man, you lit it up. That tag team match, whoo, that was one of my favorite matches of the night. Um, it was uh, it was very special for me. It was supposed to be myself and Lionel Knight. Mm-hmm. We did that match, man, I can't remember where it was, but it was like a Destiny, I guess you could say, house show. And then Lionel couldn't make it for whatever reason. And then when I heard... Jake something was going to be my tag team partner. Four Michigan, four Michigan guys getting in the ring, tearing it up. And the response from that crowd, it was what it's all about, man. It felt great, and it's why I love professional wrestling. Oh, 100%, man. I was in that crowd. My daughter was there. She had the opportunity to meet you and Jake something. It was actually her birthday weekend, and you guys That's made right. it. That's right. I remember that. Yeah, you guys made it very special. You took a picture with her. I actually printed that picture out, and she has it hanging on her dresser. She's a huge fan, That's man. Awesome. That's awesome. I love to hear that. So one of the first questions I always ask, Hakeem, is uh, I like to call it the defining moment. It's when you fell in love with this business we're going to be talking about today. Do you remember your defining moment? A lot of people ask me that, and my first memory, as soon as I saw professional wrestling, I fell in love with it. And my first memory was a clip of the Road Warriors beating up the Koloff in a Russian chain match. And at the time, like, these guys, the Road Warriors were larger than life, you know what I mean? Jack to the gills. It looked like something straight out of Mad Max. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? And my dad told me, and then I was introduced to Hulk Hogan, uh, Hulkamania, and then Macho Man. And these characters were real-life superheroes. So at this time, as a child, I'm instantly glued to it. And I had to be a part of it. I wanted to be a part of it. I would mimic it. I, I used to wrestle this. Uh, stuffed animal on his big teddy bear and I would record it and I would do all the voices and I would cut the promos and try and do all the voices and I had this yellow shirt it was a Superman shirt and my mother cut the back of it so it looked like Hulk Hogan's and then when I was in high school we would sneak up to the mezzanine and we would wrestle on the crash mat and we all had our like like our we were gang affiliated like my group was the horsemen then you had the NWO and then you had guys that wanted to be um, NWOB team and stuff like that or you guys had that wanted to be guys that wanted to be DX and stuff like that. So I was, I have always wanted to do it. And when I finally got my chance to train, I, I didn't, you know, I, I made sure I jumped at it. So who did you, uh, who did you train with? I first started out with a guy named Xavier Justice out here in Michigan. When I got done, I trained with him for six months. When I got done with him, I would make my rounds. Then I started going out to the House of Truth, while Truth Martini School in Detroit. I would get some tips from him and a lot of the other guys that would go there. Years later, I just kind of wanted something new, some new training. So I started going to Windsor, and that is uh, the Can-Am Dojo run by Scott Moore. And this was before 
he went back to Impact. Uh, myself and Jake Something, Joe Coleman, Idris Abraham, we would just go up there. Well, Idris was trained there, but we would go up there just because we wanted, you know, you always want to stay fresh. And uh, we started going up there and learning some new things. And uh, it's just, like, so I, I credit all three of those schools with training. Oh, 100%. That's some great lineage right there. You had some great teachers under your belt, and you can see that in your wrestling ability, man. You are top-notch. I, uh, I, I, one of the matches I loved of you the most is I actually watched online a couple days ago preparing for this interview, and uh, it was back in 2016. It was the super-kicked King of the Six tournament. Uh, you competed for the King of the Six championship, and you advanced to the semifinal after eliminating Tarek and to the tournament fi uh, final in a four-way ladder match. You competed against Young Miles, Dylan Bostick, if I'm saying that right, and Orlando Christopher. Yeah, Dylan Bostick, yep. Yeah, man, and that match, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of ladder matches. They're some of my all-time favorite matches. I mean, WrestleMania 10 is probably my all-time favorite WrestleMania. My favorite match in that one is obviously Brett versus Owen, but my second yep. favorite is, you know, Sean versus Razor. I mean, that's the grandfather, if you will, of the ladder match. But I, I think your ladder match was something special. I really love the way you four guys came out, and you literally left it all in the ring. Am I wrong to suggest that might be one of your personal favorites as well? It is. Anytime I wrestle in the Toronto area, I was just in Hamilton, which is close by, I believe, mm -hmm. for Alpha mm -hmm. One, and it was the final chapter of one of their bigger shows. The crowd is electric. Super Kick is no different. I haven't wrestled there in a while, um, but I, I will always, you know, share my love and respect for that place. The crowd's always hot. The matches are always hot. The talent's hot. I, I love Tarek, number one. I think he's one of the most underrated guys, underappreciated guys out there. He's so good in the ring. And being able to work with him was really fun. It was always one, like one of those little checklists. You got those guys that you see when you start passing through territory, and you're like, man, I really want to work with him. And he was, Brent, him and Brent Banks, and Tyson Dukes were three guys that I always wanted to work with. And I worked with Dukes when I was really young. And I, that was the only time I ever got a chance to work with him. And it was fantastic. And Brent, the same. I got a chance to work with him, and I loved it. And I got a chance to work with Brent a few times. But doing that with Tarek was great. And then doing that ladder match with all of those guys in there, who I all respect, who I all think, I, I think they're all great talent, was really fun. And the crowd knew it was something special, and they ate it up. You know, and then when I, they thought I was going to get the belt and the terror comes right back out and he steals it from me, man, it just, it felt great. You know, being a part of something like that in front of such a hot crowd, that never gets old. It never gets old. That's what you want. You want that emotional response, and we got it that night. And yeah, man, it, it felt amazing. Yeah, no, and it looked amazing. I mean, I could watch that match uh, 20 times over, and every time I see something different that I didn't see the first time around. So that's kudos to you and your three competitors that were in that match that night. But I do want to ask you a question. Um, getting signed to Impact Wrestling, I mean, that's huge. Like you said, working with Scott Tamore, all those guys. And as you're working your way up through the ranks, I mean, I've seen some of your indie promos. And your promo ability is, like, to the nines, man. You remind me of, and, and I think you've actually said that in a, an interview when I was looking looking up some more, uh, you know, getting all my information together. You kind of feel like, the, you kind of feel like you're, you're the rock, right? Because... And I agree with that in terms of the promo skills because, man, when you have that mic in your hand, you just, you flow. It's not pre-rehearsed. It's not like you're thinking what the next line in the script is. It's just natural. And I, I just wish 
that I could see a little bit more of that impact. And I know that's not your decision necessarily, but I really wish, (laughs) yeah, I really wish the promo skills, I really wish they would let you guys kind of cut on the mic because they're doing so many great things over there, like pushing Tessa Tessa Blanchard, uh, number one contender, all that kind of stuff. That's huge. I mean, that's a barrier broken right there. We could have our first female heavyweight champion and rightfully so, but I just wish that they would kind of let you hold that mic a little bit more. Do you, do you kind of feel the same way about that? Dude, I have asked for the microphone. I have pitched things. And first of all, I want to say, right now we're breaking another barrier. Right now, the impact is on um, Access TV. We're doing the IPWF, the old, the old school throwback show. Unfortunately, I couldn't have been on that show. I wanted to so bad. But it's a throwback. So everything's like old, 80s style, 60s, 70s, 80s style wrestling. Nobody else does that. WWE doesn't take their break, you know what I mean, to do something like that. Sure, they gave you like a little side thing they did on the network. Um, AEW, they're still kind of fresh, so they're probably not going to do something like that right off the bat. But Impact is. Impact's taking those risks. And people always want to badmouth us. They always want to. And, of course, this obviously is going to air later on. So that's, you know, when this happens in January, this is it's not going to be on right now. But people will know what I'm talking about. But we take those risks, and we have this stigma that I talk about in every podcast that I wish, you know, people would, okay, it's done. It's new management. We're not the same old company that was making bad mistakes in the past. Sure, there's still rough waters here and there, but, man, we're doing a really good job of breaking barriers, pushing Tessa to the moon. She's, like, one of the best wrestlers, male, female, out there. It doesn't matter. She's, like, fantastic. And then you pair up with Sammy, who is a freaking genius out there, that's something, you know what I mean? That we're doing things that other people aren't doing. However, going back to what you were saying, yes, man, dear God, one of my strengths, I'm not as athletic as the Rascals, okay? Mm-hmm. I am not as big as Cousin Jake, Jake something. But I am better than anyone else at what I do. Uh, my intensity in the ring, um, how smooth and crisp I am in the ring, and then you mix that with my character work and then my promo. My promo is the cherry on top. I'm doing something. I did something recently at AAW, a huge promotion in Chicago, and it turned the page for me. And it had to do with my promo. I, I cut these promos under a mask. Nobody knew who it was. They kept saying it was Eli Drake. They kept saying it was Austin Aries. They kept saying it was all these top indie names. And it was me. Kind of a virtual unknown, you know what I mean? Because at Impact, I'm still low man on the ladder, and I'm really trying to climb up that ladder. I'm, I'm scrapping. But that is my, that's the thing that sets me apart from everybody else because I feel like the promo is a lost art. And I have to thank you for comparing me to The Rock because I love The Rock. I love Austin. Those are my two favorites. Um, their feud is like my favorite feud of all time. But I love Dusty Rose. I love Savage. Uh, I love Ric Flair. The way these guys cut promos, they talk you into the building. And even before the match happens, there's the build-ups already there just in the promo itself. So when the match actually happens, I mean, look at the Rock-Austin matches compared to the matches we have nowadays. It was punch-punch, whips, clothesline, duck one thez, duck one thez, and then maybe a backdrop and then fighting on the outside, and then you had the rock bottoms and the stunners and a couple of teasers. But it still, it still told the story, and you were still emotionally invested because of everything that they did before that and the promos themselves. Same thing with Dusty and Flair. It's the promo, man. The, the power of the promo, and I think that's missing. And I wish 
and Pat would give me that microphone. They know I can talk. The big rigs there know I can talk. Everybody knows I can cut the promo. But for some reason, not yet. They have yet to give me that microphone. I hope that changes. And, you know, because I, I do feel, I think Ethan Page and Sammy are two of the best promos there. And I think I am just, just as good as them and better than anybody else. And, you know, that's not an egotistical thing. That is me believing in my talent thing. So, yeah, man, I wish they'd give me that microphone and I would, that's them giving me the ball and then I would run with it. There would be no denying my talent after that. Yeah, no, 100%. I agree with everything you said, and, and I think the comparison is rightfully so. I used to have a former co-host on the show, and him and I would go back and forth about the promo because he was a big promo guy, and I'm not saying I wasn't a promo guy, but I'm always, I, I love the build. I do. I love the build, but I think that story, like you mentioned, it, it's got to have that emotional investment, and don't get me wrong, the promo gets it there, but you got to have that, you got to be able to, it's cliche to say it, but you got to be able to talk the talk and walk the walk. And that's yeah. where I think a lot of things nowadays, especially in the wrestling world, they fall flat because you have guys cutting great promos. I mean, AEW, you got a promo king in Chris Jericho. He is one of the top guys out there. But the couple yeah. last couple matches he's had have been subpar. And I don't care. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to get a lot of heat in saying that. But it's the truth. He can talk the talk. This whole inner circle thing, effing genius. Great. Great maneuver. I love the way the story was going. But the La, La Champion stuff, uh, pff, save it for the birds, man. Just get in the ring and kick ass like you're supposed to. If they're going to put you as the flagship champion for this company, in my opinion, you've got to impress me in the ring. And I think Jericho's lost a step or two in his later years. His mind is still great. His promo skills, like I said, they're top notch. But I think if you're going to have that build, you got to have that that peak to the liver, or else it just flatlines. And then the the build was for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally know what you mean there. And it's hard too because Jericho, in, 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 like you said, I think he's one of the, the goats, one of the greatest of all time. And it's hard when you have that style of like Kenny Omega, who is just off the charts, like just amazing. And I still think Jericho is amazing, but I do agree, like, when, if he's trying to wrestle Kenny's match, it's not going to work. He has to wrestle Jericho's match. And it's just because it's just a test of time. That's all it is. And it's also Jericho's ability, you know what I mean? He's, he wrestles a different style. He's not going to wrestle like Kenny. But I do agree with you in that sense. And But I, I, I think his, I think he's great. Um, but I do think with AEW, I, I do agree with you in a sense, like, yes, the, the, it's, the wrestling style is a little bit different compared to what it was. Like he was at cutting edge style at one point. Now the cutting edge style is something different. And I do think it's um, it's a great start for them. I do, and but I, I do agree with you at, at some point and, and somewhat. Like yes, it, it, he, it needs to get stepped up a little bit. To me, he's still going to be one of the greatest of all time, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. Hall of Famer. I mean, he's got everything locked. He, the accolades are there. His resume speaks for itself. But let's talk about your resume for a second. And one thing a lot of people don't know is that um, you are one half of the Desi Hit Squad, which most people do know. But one thing they don't know is Gamma Singh. I mean, this guy is a legend in his own right. And a lot of people don't see it because of, I guess you want to say, a little bit of the typecasting. You know, all the Indian guys yeah. in the organization, they throw them together. Desi Hit Squad. I love the Desi Hit Squad. It's changed a few members here and there, but I still love it. I think it's a great shtick. I mean, I live in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. It has one of the highest Indian populations. I have a lot of Indian friends. They're all fantastic individuals, man. I, I myself, I love the butter chicken. You got to give me some of that cheese. <laughs> oh, that cheese is so good. And the non-bread, 
Dude, I could eat pounds and pounds of that. I know I'll live to regret it because it's so much bread, but I could eat pounds and pounds of it, man. It's a staple here. And the culture, I love the culture. I respect the culture so much. But, I mean, the good thing about being with the Desi Hit Squad is that you get to work with a guy like Gamma Singh. I mean, this guy, I watched him, and I think you mentioned it in the interview as well. You guys were over in Mexico. And out of nowhere, he cuts a promo in Spanish, but he's insulting the crowd in their own language. And then he yep. goes right back, just fluidity from Spanish, boom, flips the switch, and he's back He's back to talking Punjabi, and it's fantastic. And I think yeah. m- mixing you with him, that's huge because that gives you that like learning ability because you're still going to grow, you're still going to evolve over time. But do you kind of feel like you're in that bubble, like you're being typecast, if you will? Yeah, you know, it's, I love being a part of the Desi Hit Squad. I love being with Gama. People don't, like you said, he's so underrated. I always say he's he's such a jewel. You know what I mean? He's such a diamond in in, in the rough. Or and people just don't get it. Like, I'm not such a worker. Look at it if you can. If you watch the the '80s thing, he works with uh, Eddie Edwards, and he's just he's so good at what he does and what he can do. And I love to pick his brain. I love to sit back and listen to his stories of Stampede when he was in Calgary, and I love to, like, his, his tours in South Africa, listening to his stories about Don, and, and listening to Don uh, talk about him. You know what I mean? Don Callis will talk so highly of him, and you see it. And he's, and, and, and was such a classy guy, and his, he knows how to work the crowd. That's the thing. He knows how to go out there and work the crowd, which a lot of people don't know how to do. Like, you mentioned the thing in Mexico. I didn't know what he was saying, but I was blown away because... When he he's like, oh, I don't know how to really say much in Spanish, and he goes out there and cuts his whole poem in Spanish. I was like, Yeah, okay, you don't know how to say much in Spanish. But we didn't know what he was saying. But as soon as he started speaking Spanish, the crowd cheered because they appreciated it. They appreciated that he was addressing them in Spanish. And all of a sudden, you just hear this flood of booze, and it's like, man, Gama is just gold. People don't get that. I do feel like sometimes we are stereotyped. And a lot of people right off the bat, they're like, oh, they're foreign, they're, they're brown, let's boom. You know what I mean? That you almost can't escape that even in today's day and age. Which, yeah, that's annoying. But I will say this, they do let me go out there and be me. If you ever see me, whether it's Rohit Raju or Hakeem Zane's a little bit more angrier than Rohit, but uh, it's... It, it's me being me, you know, so I can't, they'll they'll let me, you know, wear the kurta and stuff like that, the traditional um, gear and stuff, but I'm still going out there, like, dancing and just trying to be charismatic. I just have to be. But I do feel like sometimes there is still a stereotype there. However, uh, that's Gamba, you know what I mean? I can't say they're they're stereotyping Gamba because Gamba is he's a legit proud Indian man. And, And same thing with Cheryl, legit proud Indian man. And that's, He's straight from India. He's that's he, and, got, and Cheryl wants to do a little bit more militant stuff than kind of the stuff that we've been doing. So I'm hoping we can mix the two, and it will help us uh, grow. You know, grow a little bit more and grow a little bit into something different. But we'll see. We always pitch stuff to them, and we have to make sure. There's a lot of things in the culture that. Like, when we first started doing stuff, like, you know, because they don't know, we have to make sure that Gama speaks up, like, hey, we can't, we can't film it this way because that will disrespect our culture. That will, that will really 
make a lot of people upset in India. So there's some things that had happened that, you know, if we had speak up, there were people that were upset in India. Like there was a, a thing when um, we did something with the Rascals and Gamo was passing around the hookah, but he had the turban on. You know, that's very disrespectful at the time. He should have had that off and stuff. So there, it is like there's cultural stuff. You know, India is a huge market. We don't want to upset anybody. So there's certain things like that that we have to pay attention to as well and, and make sure we speak up and, because, you know, a lot of people are ignorant to it, so we just have to make sure that we have to not, we don't want to offend anybody. But, yeah, man, I, I love being part of the squad. And But, of course, I do sometimes feel like that, like it's that heat where it's like, oh, they're foreign, so let's boom. But I'm hoping things will evolve for us. I wanted to do something to where we flip the script. And I always, I pitch this too, so hopefully we'll, we'll do it sooner or later. It's where... We say, you know what? You boo us, but why you even boo us? You 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 chant Quickie Mart, yet you guys are the ones going in there and spending the money. And then this man came over from India and he opened up his own business. He's really living the American dream. While you're catching type two diabetes from getting this, you know, buying your next slushie, or there's a yoga place everywhere out here. Or if you want to feel culture, you go eat Indian food. Or what about the Kama Sutra? You know, that's Indian. You want to adopt adapt these or adopt these cultural things from us, but you want to boo us. You know, you want to take pride in Indian things, but you want to boo the people that actually brought it to you. So I kind of want to flip it like that. But um, maybe we'll get a chance to do that someday too. That'll involve us a little bit more. I would love to see that. I think the Desi Hit Squad has so much potential. And I, like I said, I, I, I respect I, anybody that steps in that ring. I respect it. And anybody that, you know, portrays the character and puts their heart and soul to it like you do, I, I respect that even more. But I got to ask a what if type of question, because, I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to stay Desi Hit Squad forever because you guys are both right. too, you guys are both too good. You're both too good. And Gamma's great leader. But eventually there's going to have to be a point where you're going to have to grow. If, you know, impact management comes to you and they say, you know what, we're going to we're gonna split the Desi Hit Squad because it happens all the time. You've seen it in the history. You know your history. I can already tell you know your history. The Rockers, they broke up. Shawn Michaels had to, be, had to fly on his own. Marty Jannetty, they tried it. Eh, it didn't work too much. Then you had the Hart Foundation. They broke up on their own. Bret Hart had to rise. There's been so many tag teams where they've broken out on their own after a short period, after a period of time. I shouldn't say short period, but after a period of time. If the opportunity comes and they say you got to split ways, I mean, it's going to be a somber moment for sure. But if they were to allow you to kind of fly your own character out there, would you bring Hakeem to the forefront more? Because, I I mean, I respect Rohit Ranju. I respect the ravishing thing. I think it's great. But Hakeem's eye, like you said, he's that amped up to the notch. And he is just, a, it, the character itself is just fantastic. And I think if they were to allow you to spread your wings that way, given the opportunity, would you go ahead and do that? Would you bring that character? Or would I, you find your a new character to bring out to us? I would put him, Hakeem Zane, Rohit Raju, is, is, the way I act is just me turned up to 20. I'm, I'm, you know, very, I try to be very respectful and professional. But one, there's, there's always that tiger that's pacing in the cage. And once I once the music hits and I walk out there, the tiger's out of the cage. So there's that intensity. There's that whole week of built up frustration and anger, or there's that whole my whole career of being, you know, either people trying to typecast me or telling me I'm not going to be successful or I can't do this. It all it all 
boils into what you see out there. Sometimes that can be very funny, quick-witted, and then sometimes that can be very intense and very mean. And, and, and that's what it is. I just try to channel all these things and portray it in that character out there. So I wouldn't even change my name. Because, you know, people are like, would you read the Daisy Hit Squad? Yeah, I would, because sooner or later, because I'm my own man. And I want to have my own path where I enjoy doing what I'm doing now. That's, yeah, that's, that's great. But I am my own person and I want my own path. I want to be my own, my own champion, my own, you know what I mean? Stand on my own two feet by myself. And those are what some of the greatest wrestlers of all time do. And I'm not trying to be a great Indian wrestler. You know what I mean? No one calls Rey Mysterio, oh, I hate the great Mexican wrestlers. No, I'm trying to be a great wrestler that just happens to represent India. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be, that's why I work hard and I'm passionate about it. Some people can see it, some people don't. That's fine, but I just want that opportunity and that chance to do that. So yeah, I would, and I would pretty much be, I would still keep the Rohit Raju name, but I would want to bring over all the Hakeem Zane stuff with the black leather vest or whatever vest I'd be wearing at that time and just go out there and let me be me. And it's even more, you know what I mean? I can still represent India. And, and stuff like that. That's no, that's not a problem. But I would want to do more of that because it would be a drastic change on TV from one along. It'd be something different from what people are used to seeing. So I would want to do that. Yes. Is there anybody on the Impact roster right now? Because I know, obviously, you do the tag team stuff, of course, and you're fantastic at it. But you also do some single stuff from time to time, too. Is there any member of the Impact roster that you haven't had a chance to cut your teeth with in, your, in the ring and you would like to, if you could? Yeah, one-on-one, I always say Rich Swan. Oh. Rich Swan is the ultimate professional wrestler. He can go out there with anybody and make them look good and also put on a good match. He's that talented. and um, But I just have, from my recent tag matches with him, I have good chemistry with Rich. And it's not hard to have good chemistry with Rich Swan. But I but I think it would be good for me because everyone knows that he's already good. You know what I mean? I had a breakout match with Trey Miguel in Mexico. And I remember when we did it, they gave us time. And we went out there and when I got backstage, people were like, that's the best I've ever seen you. And it was because I was comfortable. I had time. It was me being me in the ring and I was and I worked well with Trey. And and then the reviews, I remember seeing people, you know, people on Twitter and all this stuff. They're like, man, I didn't know Rohit could work like that. And that's because I got the opportunity. And a bigger scale, because Rich is like, you know, he's such a huge name at Impact right now. I think that would help elevate me to the next level as well, because it will show that I can go in there with top guys. And I feel like I could, you know, I had... Sure, and I had a tag match with Brian Cage and Eddie Edwards recently, and that was good. And it's it's crazy when you work with a guy like Eddie and and Cage, but Eddie's on such a different level. He's so underrated. Like, man, you get in there with him, it's almost intimidating at times because he just he can shift gears on a moment's notice, and you have to be able to keep up with him. Same thing with the OVE guys; they're like that. They're almost on a different level. But I would love to work with Rich. I just, I want a one-on-one, I want eight minutes at least, and I just want a good, solid one-on-one match with him because I, I'm pretty sure I could perform and turn some heads. And Rich is going to be, look sweet either way, so, you know, he's not easily losing anything. 
Yeah, no, I think that that match when you said Rich Swan, oof, man, I just got chingles over that. That would be one hell of a fight. And I think you guys yeah. would both put on something special. Uh, we mentioned earlier ladder matches and stuff like that, and I'm pretty sure in your accolades you've done a few more, you know, stipulation-type matches. Is there a stipulation match that you haven't done yet or maybe that you haven't perfected that you'd like to as well do, given the opportunity? Not really. Gimmick matches are fun and stuff like that. I actually, myself and Myron Reed just wrestled in a steel cage, which is, you know, you want to always, and I've wrestled in a steel cage a few times, and it's cool. You always want to be creative. Same thing like ladder matches or no-holds-barred matches. In all honesty, my favorite thing going out there is just going in the ring and figuring out what kind of story you want to tell and making it work and making it exciting. Like, it's wrestling, man. I mean, you go out there, some of the best matches you've ever seen, yeah, you think about the triple threat tag matches, uh, you know, the TLC matches. But some of my favorite matches of all time are just Richie Steamboat versus Ric Flair back in 89, you know. Stuff like that. Low-key versus Amazing Red from early Ring of Honor days. It's just matches. It's how you're going to tell the story. And, and, and to me, I guess you could say perfecting when you ask about perfecting. It's just perfecting my craft. And, you know, I, you'll never perfect your craft. But it's being able to go out there and work, I guess you could say, work like your character, but also do something different in the match, entertain the crowd, and just everything, get everything wrapped up in one big bow and make it a success. That's what I'm really wanting to do. No no match in particular, just being out, being able to go out there and try and steal the show and make sure people remember who I am when they leave, you know, that night. Absolutely. I, I love the answer to the question. I think it was very honest and very heartfelt, and, and that's what I appreciate it. And that's what we appreciate here on Straight Talk Wrestling, because we're all about the straight up and straight to the point honesty. So I appreciate the answer. I wanted to speak to you about um, your last match at Super Kicked, if we can go back to Super Kicked. It was in uh, May of 2018, and you fought Psycho Mike. I had him on the show last year. He's an absolute great guy. He's hilarious, humble. He's everything. I want to kind of get your take on the comedic wrestling, if you will, for a second, because a lot of times I feel like the comedic wrestling, if done in the right way, is a show stealer. And you've got one of those guys on the Impact roster in Joey Ryan. I mean, the whole King of the Dong stick, it's it's hot right now. It's it's one of the, the, the funniest and most entertaining things in wrestling, outside of the in-ring ability of all the great talent of such as yourself and all the Impact wrestling. But Psycho Mike, how was that match for you? I mean, I know you defeated him via disqualification, but... It, is that match a match that kind of sticks out in your memory as one of like your favorites in Super Kicked as well? One of my favorite things was just teaming up with him because he had his foot personality. And Psycho Mike's super underrated. Um, I think he should be way higher than where he is now. And, and I, I love Mike. Like, legit love the man. And, and we talk video games every time we see each other. And I give him a big hug. I get a lot of people a big hug when I see him. But... Single Mike, definitely. And I had so much fun. We were perfect strangers. But I was the short, angry uh, individual, and he was the big, jacked, you know, lovable guy. And I'm trying to keep him on the leash, and it, it worked. We came out of the old 80s sitcom TV show, Perfect Stranger theme song, and the crowd sang along with it. And it was just so much fun. And it got cut short. It, you know, at Super Chico, it was one of those places where they didn't want you to work other Canada shows. 
if you were American talent, they wanted you to be exclusive. Mm. And, you know, I just couldn't do that. So, you know, that's why I'm not there anymore. Nothing against them. I, I love uh, Chris, you know, there, Chris Chambers. I, I always loved Superkick. And I actually came back for the Johnny Gale tribute show, which was I asked if I could come there. I didn't even want any money. I just said, hey, I just want to. And they, they still paid me, but I, I didn't want anything. I just wanted to come pay my respects because I loved Johnny so much. He was such a huge fan of pro wrestling and just a nice guy. And that's an understatement. But um, I just loved teaming with Michael Mike. It was such a dynamic. We were always trying to be so creative. And it, it, it worked. Like, the dynamic between him and I worked. I remember he messed up something. And it almost came across the way the end of the match was. Like, he messed up something and we lost the match. It was like a mental illness thing. And here I am. People think I'm going to turn on him and beat him up. And I walk out the ring, and then I walk back, and I tell him to come on. And everyone started clapping. And I remember uh, Justin, the ring announcer, he's still, every time I see him, he still tells me, like, he's like, dude, this the way, like, you and Mike played off each other was so good. I think everything... My favorite stuff, like, I don't agree with everything in professional wrestling. Like, I like Joey Ryan. I mean, I had, I got the dick flip out of the thing, you know. It's not my cup of tea, but I, I'm not going to sit here and crap. I'm the man that's making money, and he, he, he knows how to work, and he, he, that's his gimmick, and he does it, he knows how to do it. You know, I think professional wrestling, I think everything has its place if done right. You know, I don't think you should, you can't sit here and dog everybody for, oh, you don't like, you can't have this in there. It's pro wrestling, you know, and people know it's, it's a gimmick, you know. I, I, my biggest thing is I want to wrestle like, I, I want to headline one of Impact's main pay-per-views, you know, and I want to be taken seriously, like I said. So my favorite, one of my, my favorite wrestler of all time is Macho Man. And everyone takes Macho Man seriously because of his intensity, and his work ethic and just everything he did. But that's me. Some people like to be more of a comedic guy. And if they start making them money, you know, why not? Some people want to do all the crazy intergender stuff. Okay, if that's making them money and getting them recognition, why not? And as of right now, I think besides being a serious pro wrestler, the gimmicks are what's making getting people way more older. Look at uh, Dan Housen. You know, look at Warhorse. These are guys in the States that are blowing up now. They've, all, they've been wrestling for a while, but it wasn't until they started doing the gimmick stuff that it, they started to blow up because people like fun. And right now, fun is making money in pro wrestling. You know, not everything. There's a lot of great professional wrestlers, like legit guys out there that come across as serious badasses that are also making money. But these guys blew up from their gimmicks. So there's a time and place for it, in my opinion. Absolutely, 100%. You're right. Everything does have its place. Let's go back a little bit because it's one question I never asked that I'm intrigued about. Uh, you know, representing your heritage and being a proud Indian as you are, and, that, and that's absolutely fantastic. How was the conversation with, I don't know, I want to say mom and dad when you said, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a pro wrestler. How was that conversation? Because I'm definitely intrigued by that. Well, it's well, my mother passed away years before I actually got in the ring. But she and my dad, like, he, my dad was divorced when I was three, so I really didn't talk to him as much. So it was really just me, you know what I mean? My my wife wasn't too thrilled with it, but 
I've always loved pro wrestling. My mother, if she was alive, she would have been like, okay, just don't, you know, don't get hurt. But I was always doing something that was, I guess you could say dangerous. You know what I mean? I was doing Kung Fu for like Wing Chun Kung Fu for 10 years and fighting. So your mom was already used to the adrenaline junkie in you, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. I was always in some type of like, I was playing basketball. I was always doing something. I was powerlifting. And then it came to combat sports. So I was always doing some type of stuff like that. And um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't like a big thing. I think most people that know me aren't surprised that I'm in professional wrestling. I think a lot of people are blown away that I've made it this far. Because no one thinks, like, when you tell them, I'm going to be on TV and I'm going to be a professional wrestler. I'm like, no, you're not. You know what I mean? That's such a hard thing to accomplish. But here I am. Every 8 p.m. on Access Television, you know, or the Fight Network, I'm wrestling. So people are like, damn, dude, you live me a dream. And I am living my dream. Like, I, I bought my ass for So I don't think that's anything. The only thing is, like, it takes a toll on being gone a lot. My wife isn't a big fan of that, but she understands, like, hey, he's doing it. So that's, uh, other than that, uh, my mother, if she was alive, she would have been fine with it. Right on, absolutely, and my condolences about your mom. She sounds like a fantastic lady, and I know she's. I know she's watching. She's watching from up above, and she's proud of you. That's a hundred percent for sure. Yeah. Because you called me because I shine like one, brother. There, there you go, one hundred percent. So one of the cool things about being an Impact Wrestling superstar is that you do get to keep a lot of your indie dates, which is fantastic. Because a lot of other companies, once you get in with them, the indie dates are null and void. Right now on the indie scene, is there anyone that you haven't worked with? that you would love to get into the ring with? Not really. I remember someone asking this question not too long ago, and I I really didn't have anyone in particular just because I think there's so many great people out there, and every time I go to a show, I usually work with somebody new, so it's fun. Um, there's no one in particular, and that's not saying like there's no one that I'm watching. There's so many people that I watch and pay attention to but I couldn't pick just one, you know. I honestly couldn't pick just one person that I want to get in the ring with. So, uh, no, so it's, there's not anybody in particular. I just want to go out there and, and work with some of the best talent that's out there and put on great shows that people and great matches that people continue to talk about. So, that's it. Well, I think you're. I think you're doing a great job like that. I mean, going through your accolades and listing some of the great matches that we talked about during this interview. I mean, I, I could go back and watch those matches fifty times over. And like I said, I always see something new and exciting. And that's a credit to you and all your dance partners in the ring because it, it's not easy what you guys do. And like you said, the grind, being away from home, you guys give yourselves to us for three hundred plus days a year. So all I could say from a fan perspective is thank you because it's not easy to do what you guys do and you do it very well, my brother. You do it very, very well. Well, I really appreciate that, man. I honestly do try. And my final question, I think this is a fun question, I think you'll enjoy this one, is everybody has that dream match. That dream match that at any time period, any wrestler, and I, you've already mentioned The Rock, Stone Cold, Macho Man, Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair. You've mentioned a whole list of legends. Is there any legend that has passed on or retired that you know just the kid the inner child inside of you would love to just get in the ring and mix it up with them there was always my biggest influence in ring ability was always chris benoit just his intensity he was never a big guy 
but just his intensity. Everything looked, it was so crisp and clean and vicious. Like, I loved that. And it was always him, but the older I get, it would be either Macho Man, Austin, or Rock, just because I would want to have, I would want to cut the promos against them. I would, that would be my favorite part, being able to cut the promos against them and building up this huge story and building up this huge program and this huge feud. And as soon as we get in the ring, before we even lock horns, before we even touch, there's already that buzz. You know, you know what I mean? And just being able to test my metal against guys like that, that to me would be something. Because those guys, 30 years from now, no matter how wrestling changes, you know, whether it's work rate, style, gimmick, whatever, whatever we, we go through 30 years from now, we're still going to be talking about them. And not just them, there's so many other guys like them, but we're still going to be talking about those guys because those are the type of guys that transcend professional wrestling. When you talk professional wrestling with someone, if they haven't watched it in 10 years, they still know who The Rock is. Well, obviously because he's in Hollywood, but they still know who Steve Austin is. They still know who Cole Hogan is. Because they have transcended professional wrestling, not only with their work, but with their persona and with their promo. That's what I want to be. Some people translate and connect with the crowd out the ring on indie shows. And then some people, they get past that and they translate with the TV crowd. And that's what I want to do. I want to translate like that. And I think those three... I don't want to say they did it better than anybody else, but for me, those are three of my favorite people that I love to watch. So going back and forth with them would be an honor, and then learning from them would be even a bigger honor. So those would be one of my dream matches right there. And I think that's a great way to cap off this interview. Hakeem, I want to thank you again for taking the time out to be on my little wrestling podcast. It means the world to me. You are an absolute talent. You're a pleasure to speak with. And I want to take the time right now to let you know you are officially now a member of the Straight Talk Wrestling family. Anytime you want to call me up or get back on the show or if we run into indie shows and I got my equipment with me, you want to do it all over again, I would absolutely love to carry on this conversation with you. Well, I appreciate it, man. Like I said, I'm always down to talk shop. And uh, thank you, man. I appreciate you reaching out to me. It's something I love to do. And yeah, anytime you want to do it, man, I'm down. All right, awesome. You go ahead and enjoy the rest of your night, and I will talk to you very, very soon. You too, man. Take it easy. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye. What can I say, guys? That was another epic interview. What a way to kick off 2020. Man, I'm electric right now. I got a lot more great interviews lined up this year. Last year, we reached the bar. We hit so many big names in the upcoming indie scene. I just want to keep growing, evolving, bringing the best indie talent to you. And that right there was an absolute great way to kick off. 2020. That is my second Impact Wrestling star in the books. First was Madman Fulton. Now I got Akeem Zion, a.k.a. Raju, <laughs> Rohit Ranju. So, man, it was just an absolute epic conversation. I was so honored to speak with him. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great interview. Until then, I'm your host, George Mackay, saying peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh.